Hello, I'm Marie Smainman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today's topic is how birth can shape a brain-body system geared towards resilience. My guest is Baby Jim Institute International Program Director, Childbirth Educator and Birth Doula, Cosette Loebscher from Johannesburg. Welcome back, Cosette. Thank you, Mariette. To our listeners, after our conversation, it will be fun question time. Cosette, can you please tell us more about what you do? I'd love to, thank you. In my capacity as Program Director... Um, I'm at the heart of everything we do, from curriculum development to writing articles, planning events, and fine-tuning business processes. That's a nice way to say admin, lots of admin. (laughs) (laughs) A big passion um, is birth. So when we talk about childbirth education and birth doula, it's really just for the love of birth. I'm a great birth enthusiast. And um, yeah, it's purely for the love of family. So the two worlds tie in very nicely together. And for those who've never heard of Baby Jim, how would you define that? Oh, uh, it's a a wonderful, very natural program. The name doesn't necessarily suggest it. Baby Jim sounds very high tech. It's not at all. There's almost no equipment in in our studios. Moms and babies are seated on the floor. We welcome the babies from very young, which is quite unique to uh, mom and baby programs from six weeks on. And then it's very basic massage, awakening the senses very slowly and gently and stimulating the muscles. Um, Because this is the the basics of neuroscience, is sensory stimulation, awakening the brain with the senses, and then ensuring the body is strong so that the, the body can execute the brain's instructions. And then it's important that you're a mum as well. Yes, I'm a mum to Ulrich, who's three and a half, teenager, and then Jürgen, who's 18 months old and is starting to sleep through. Yay! Oh, how wonderful! <laughs> well done, Jürgen! <laughs> and mum. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> One doesn't say so much out loud, but actually you mean it the other way around. <laughs> I'm very grateful. <laughs> yeah. Now, Cosette, I recently had the privilege of attending one of your workshops. It's called the Baby Gym One Newborn Brain Essentials Workshop. And I came away with a wealth of insights that I really wish I had when my children who are young adults, when they were babies, because it gives one such understanding of what's going on, not not only with your baby, but also with mum and dad. Mm. Could you please tell us more about this workshop? Thank you, Marie. Thank you for your very valuable feedback. Um, The intention with this curriculum is to look forward. Birth culture over the decades has changed quite a bit. Protocol has changed quite a bit. And for some listeners, looking back on their own births as a baby, on their children's birth, the information can be distressing. So it's important to say we will never underestimate the way the human body and brain works and the human spirit works. There's always something you can do 
But for those who are still embarking on welcoming their babies into this world, there are small little things that can make a huge difference. And this curriculum really celebrates those small things that we can do. So in a nutshell, this curriculum is my heart come alive. It is the unifying of my two worlds, Baby Gym, which specializes in brain and body development, and childbirth education, which stands for so much more than just a birth curriculum. A core belief in childbirth education is that parents should learn to make informed decisions and advocate for themselves and their children. So it's a skill. So there's a difference between knowledge and building skill, and childbirth education brings to Baby Jim's curriculum the skill. Thus, it is a curriculum jam-packed with credible information, but it also extends an invitation towards taking an active role in the path that lies ahead and the parent chooses how that path should unfold. And this is very, very important. Incredible changes happen in both the parent and the baby, but especially the parent's brain when they assume this role of active parenting and decision-making. And that's very exciting to me. Cosette, how would you define bonding? Okay, so it's important to say a large part of this curriculum's bonding um, information is based on the work of Dr. Niels Bergman. Wonderful man. I would really encourage listeners to Google him and follow his work. Um, He's a pediatrician. He was a research affiliate of both the World Health Organization and the South African Medical Association. He's now moved to Sweden and is no longer with the World Health Organization or the South African Medical Association, but with an institute in Stockholm. But he is passionate about this work. So he says, when a parent and baby bond, a strong attachment develops between them. Being together brings feelings of love, security and enjoyment. This first relationship lays the foundation for all future relationships. So you can think of the parent-baby bond as the prototype for all the other relationships that follow. Bonding is more than attachment. It is the baby's sense of safety. So figuratively, the baby asks, and this is specifically after birth, am I safe? If the baby is immediately reunited with a mom, the senses signal to the brain, yes. Baby relaxes, stress hormones devolve, and mom and baby start to stimulate one another's brains. Isn't that beautiful? The mom and baby need to be together to stimulate one another's brains. Why is bonding so important to mom, to baby, and to dad, if dad is involved? Um, yeah, this is always tricky to answer, Mariette, because not not everyone is comfortable with being um, kind of grouped together with animals. But in the end, we are part of the mammalian species. Belonging to a group and relating to, to one another is at the core of how we function biologically. It is important for our physical and mental health to grasp it is a fundamental need and requirement of our biological makeup. In the workshop, you mentioned that a baby's transition from womb to world is a time of change and a time of stress. Now, the reason this fascinated me was because 
when I was a young mum, and I, I thought about the birth, and you know, we only had books those days. We didn't have internet. But people would say, oh, you must be looking forward to the birth of your baby. And then I thought, I don't know anything about it. I'm feeling scared. And then when it happens, you know, one gets these, in those days, one got these cards with the most beautiful picture of a mum and a baby and little pink clouds all over the show. And I always thought, but birth didn't feel like that to me. So when you said at the workshop that a baby's transition from womb to world is a time of change, but also a time of stress. I've, I found that very comforting. Aha, I see what you say. So what we meant with that is more in terms of hormones within the baby's body. Oh, I see. But I think you are completely right that we shouldn't underestimate that it isn't just a joyous and happy-go-lucky time I don't think for anyone, really. I just think the degree to how much stress or how much change, um, you know, lies ahead depends from person to person. But absolutely, uh, you now more referring to the stress within the mom's body. So, yes, very, very much so. In terms of the, the, the topic in our curriculum, it's very much to do with the, with the act of birth. So can I answer your question from that point of view? That is actually what I found so valuable in the workshop, and that's why I'm asking you okay. to talk about this. Okay. So once the baby has made the journey from the comforting womb to the world outside the womb, there are many firsts for the baby. The baby needs to take the first independent breath. The baby needs to regulate body temperature. And the baby needs to make sense of cues like, I'm hungry and I'm full. They've never experienced that in utero. They've never been constipated. They've never been overstimulated. So the nervous system, if I can make it technical, has to learn a lot of things for the very first time. For the baby to step into this role, um, the nervous system needs to be wide awake. So this kind of driving role the, the nervous system needs to be wide awake birth stress and therefore stress hormones are the catalyst for this wide awake state but soon after birth the birth hormones should dissolve so that the baby's nervous system calms down and fun functions from a state of rest and digest so if you think of the vagus nerve i don't know if you've heard of it but it regulates that state between fight and flight and rest and digest this enables baby to calm down, bond, and adapt to life outside the womb. So we can kind of fill in the blanks there. If a baby is not in a state of rest and digest, calming down is almost impossible. Bonding is impacted, and f things like feeding and adjusting is, is harder. Yes, in the end, it all forms part of a big puzzle, which I think this workshop clarifies. Today you're going to talk about the brain a good deal. Could you start by clarifying the triune brain? Yes. So tri refers to three, like tripod. So the triune brain refers to the development of three specific layers of the brain. So it's important to say, Mariette, that it's not the only layers. It's not 
a specific part of the brain. It's a, a specific theory that refers to three specific layers of the brain. All three are present at birth, but do not develop at the same time or at the same rate in the months and years that follow after birth. Understanding the sensitive timeframes for each layer of the brain provides many insights into the physical, emotional and cognitive needs of the developing child. So in Baby Jim, we pair a layer with the developmental priority of the child, which works incredibly effective. So the first one is the area of development, is physical development. And the window of opportunity for that to develop is from conception to 14 months. So interestingly enough, it's not birth to 14 months, but the very start of life. From conception to 14 months, so it's nine months in utero plus 14 months in life, is the prime time to develop the survival brain. Another name for the survival brain is the reptilian brain. As the name suggests, this area is responsible for survival functions such as heartbeat, breathing and reflex reaction. This area is also in charge of physical development and includes the working of all the senses and all the muscles. The senses and muscles are crucially important for a well-developed nervous system. So you can see that's very strongly where our baby classes play a role. From birth to 14 months, a baby reaches big muscle milestones like suckling. Suckling refers to sucking for nourishment, not only passively sucking for soothing. Controlling the head, which is in its own an important and skillful act because the head is very, very heavy in the beginning. Rolling to both sides, sitting without support, crawling on all fours, pulling up and walking. These milestones are muscle reactions and planned and coordinated movements that indicate brain development. That is why we as baby gym instructors are so passionate about supporting little ones to reach their milestones in sequence. Um, as it is an important time frame. So the next one is emotional development. So the window of opportunity for emotional development is 14 months to four years. So again, note, I say a window of opportunity. It doesn't mean it's the only time it develops. It just means it is a sensitive time frame where if we carefully introduce certain things, and it's basic things like making your child aware of emotions, there's a big impact within that time. From 14 months to 4 years is a prime time to develop the limbic system. It's also called the mammalian brain. So with birth I always get excited about this layer of the brain because it's where our hormones and our instincts lie just like other mammals. So what makes us part of the mammalian species? You birth your baby, you breastfeed your baby and there's a strong emotional tie between the, the parts of the family, the family members. This area is in charge of emotional development and is all about developing and regulating emotions and a sense of self. Between 14 months and 4 years is a very selfish time in a child's life. It's all about me, me do and <laughs> mine. So I almost have two of them in my home. But it is an important phase and it prepares the young child to build their own identity before they develop a group identity. This is the only time in a human's life when it is age-appropriate and acceptable and Mariette even necessary to be selfish. It does not mean we shouldn't guide our children with their emotions and with their reactions with siblings and friends and family members, but it just means it is not 
unacceptable necessarily. Mm. You mustn't think you have a bad child. And you mustn't think it's something they must instantly just grasp and stop doing. It is a skill that needs to be learned. It's an emotional skill that needs to be learned and that comes over time. I just also want to say here again, when we talk about this in our workshops and our classes, the delegates with teenage children sit with big, big eyes because often they sit with children who struggle with their peers or with a sense of identity or a sense of self. And then it's so important for us to reiterate that we are building that sense of self by letting them really, um, in Afrikaans, really mm. express their emotions, really explore their emotions as small children. It is so valuable. And here also, I've really stumbled upon this insight with having children in my house. Books are phenomenal with emotions. If you select your books well, it, it explores emotions. It teaches so many things about how valuable and valid emotions are. Um, and then books are also the stepping stone onto the next developmental phase. So there's small little things that, that make a huge difference. So then our next developmental phase is cognitive development. And the window of opportunity to develop that area is 4 to 11 years. So from 4 to 11 years is a prime time to develop the neocortex in the brain. This area is in charge of cognitive development and refers to the clever part of the brain. When most people talk about the brain, they talk about this brain. You know, I think it's changing because we're learning more about the brain every day. But, you know, generally, most people think of the clever brain or as the brain is this clever thing. It's a yes. very, very thin, millimeter thin layer of the brain. This is where more advanced skills reside, like impulse control, which is a hot topic in older children, language, reasoning, problem solving, words, numbers, and so forth. But what is significant of the triune brain theory and these three layers is the first layers impact the second and the third layers. If your survival brain is well-developed, your limbic system, so emotions and later cognitive functions, do better and spontaneously do better, which is, I think, you know, when we really have a, a heart for spontaneous joy of life and living. We don't want things to be a constant battle. We really believe we were created to thrive. Yeah. Thank you for this explanation. It's absolutely fascinating. What I also found interesting at the workshop is when you said that at birth, Dad, mum and baby each has a role aligning with a specific part of the brain. Yes, again, this is the work of Dr. Niels Bergman and learning about his work has opened up a whole new world to us. He is passionately interested in the emotional social connection that develops in the newborn brain right after birth. According to Dr. Niels Bergman, there are sensitive time frames that should be protected to optimally wire baby, mom and dad's brain for a lifetime of connection. So Mariette, um, to further just elaborate on that, he has for the first time explained to us that your brain in utero and your brain as parents before that moment of meeting your baby is not ready for parenting, is not ready for the world outside the womb. It needs that moment to rewire the brain and prepare the brain. And to me, that was an absolutely mind-blowing piece of information. 
Directly after birth, there is a six-hour period during which bonding should be the highest priority. And you explained that this period is crucial to a newborn's overall health and also to his or her future well-being. Could you talk about this, please? So this six-hour period specifically refers to the amount of time needed to optimally wire the baby's brain for attachment and but it's a lot more than attachment but i'm going to stick to that word for now interestingly enough this time frame is different for each one of the family members for mom for dad and baby but to keep it simple one can regard birth as a time when the entire family unit should all be be together for 24 hours ideally skin to skin so when i mean birth i mean the moments after birth that's what i mean that said let's stick to the baby for this example as the baby is placed on the mom's chest, the baby experiences warmth. And now that's a given to us, but that warmth has a crucial role. And at the same time, the baby touches and smells of the mom. Baby recognizes mom and feels mom with these senses. This stimulates the emotional brain and leads baby to an approach response. A approach literally meaning I want to move forward. I want to engage. This connects the emotional brain amygdala to the prefrontal cortex. The emotional brain sits behind the nose, kind of high up behind the nose, and the prefrontal cortex sits slightly above and behind the eyes. So you can think of it in your mind's eye as a slight upward arrow from the nose to the eyes, like a curved arrow. According to Dr. Niels, this is an emotional social connection. So the baby was not born with that emotional social connection. It's something that has to be activated on the mom's chest. Then it passes through mirror neurons that look for the mother's face and then the face is coded by a part of the brain called the fusiform gyrus. Thereafter, it links back to the emotional brain. So my husband actually pointed this out to me. Oftentimes we see animals that were reunited with a different animal. I'm going to use a duck with a little um, sheep. And they follow that sheep thinking it's their mom. So I don't think humans work the same. But you can think of that moment, that sensitive moment after birth as something similar. I, my brain is kind of programmed towards this is my mommy. I feel safe with her. This is what she looks like. My brain decodes her face. And I feel connected. I feel safe. I feel calm. Um, yeah, and I just find this is fascinating because it's exactly the same sensory group we use to develop the brain later on. It's touch, it's smell, it's taste, it's hearing the mom's voice and it's seeing the mom's face. But we look towards it as eye contact. But here very fundamentally or primitively, it's just decoding her face and remember the baby's eyesight isn't perfect it's like seeing through a steamed up shower but it's that that round shape and it's very interesting the newborn eyes are drawn to round round eyes round head form um, so that's just again we really created to to seek connection and to understand what is happening in the beginning this is the initial connection that is needed for all emotional connections. The baby's brain is optimally wired for connection after six hours of immediate and continuous skin-to-skin -skin contact with mom. Warmth, skin contact, mom smell, 
the sound of mom's voice and eye contact. These areas are only connected when stimulated in mom's presence. I've said it before, but I, I don't think we can say it enough. When baby opens their eyes and seeks eye contact, it is a reliable sign that the baby is calm and adapting well. Isn't that simple? but so profound. Sometimes babies are ready to make eye contact, but the area is lit too brightly. Take care to dim the lights. And if we can request that in hospitals, that would be great. I know some birth units have dimmers in the room. Fantastic way to say, let's use the small things to really optimize this very sensitive time frame. And that's why one needs to know why. Could you explain the oxytocin and dopamine connection? Yes. So what we've just described now, when this happens between mom and baby, oxytocin connects to dopamine. So in my mind, now this again is the work of Dr. Neil, so I don't want to um, sound like an absolute expert on every level. In my mind, what I have made scenes is while that emotional social connection is being made there's a second layer on a hormonal level that needs to connect up the hormones aren't just connected it needs to connect up and this process connects oxytocin to dopamine and now you have the reward brain synonym the joy brain, the habit brain, the comfort brain so different words to say now you have a state that says I want to say I can celebrate. The connection happens in the mother's brain and the baby's brain at the same time. So we just spoke about all the connections in the baby's brain, but the mom's brain is not unchanged. There's a huge reward brain connecting in this time. Bonding is something that happens in more than one brain at the same time. Isn't that beautiful? When a parent and a baby bond, a strong attachment develops between them. Being together brings feelings of love, security, enjoyment. This first relationship lays the foundation for all future relationships again. Once they start to stimulate one another's brains, hormones secrete. Oxytocin is called the love hormone and dopamine is called the joy hormone. And together they boost immunity. So we always say, you know, when I feel down, I fall ill. I become a little bit, you know, snotty or just don't feel like moving out from under the covers. And this explains that your hormones literally keep you healthy. The positive hormones in, in any case. This is a fantastic position to be in. When the baby is bonded with mom, when oxytocin and dopamine have connected, baby is making eye contact, this baby is showing us huge thumbs up. This just puts me in a place of awe when I listen to this. Could you say more about the role of oxytocin in bonding? Oxytocin is called the love hormone. It is a hormone that is found entirely unchanged in all mammals. I like to think of it as a hormone that enables relating and being sensitive towards one another's needs, feeling connected and getting that feeling of all is well. Oxytocin is also central to reproduction. This is new information to me. I found it so fascinating. It is central to everything in a family cycle. So if you think of the start of life, from sexual intimacy, conception, actively birthing the baby, bonding with the baby, parenting. So now we have a teenager, a young adult, again falling in love. Mm -hmm. So oxytocin is central 
I actually think it's so much more than a love hormone. I think it should be called the family hormone. <laughs> now we come to the role cortisol could play in this critical period, which I found very, very interesting at the workshop. So again, this is Dr. Niels Bergman's um, information. So he says, once born, the baby asks. Now remember, this is f figuratively asked. Am I safe? If baby cannot sense mom with her senses of touch, smell and taste, and remember this is within that six hour period, baby system decodes this as no, you are not safe. Now the baby's survival system is switched on. In primitive times, this would signal to the baby, my mom has died. Yes, I can survive, but I will need to prime my system in a very different way. I will secrete cortisol and fend for myself. Cortisol is beneficial when it works briefly and quickly. Okay, so always, it's so important to say hormones have a positive intention, but it, it's for a short period of time. In this instance, the effects of separation can last a long time and even become toxic. Now, Mariette, the information I don't have is what, to what degree is this system affected if baby is separated for 10 minutes or 30 minutes mm. or three hours or three days or indefinitely? That we don't know here, but I'm sure that would be, um, you know, th that would make a difference in how this system recovers, I almost want to say, from the cortisol development. Toxic stress increases the risk of stress-related physical and mental illness, lifelong. This experience imprints the baby's brain to regard people and relationships as a threat. Now, I think it's so important, again, to say the human spirit is incredible and one can't predict. So, again, the information is there to serve as a let's, let's build bridges, not as a label on anyone. And then I think it's also important to say that this gives us information to insight in how people function in relationships and approach relationships. Some people try just instinctively and almost spontaneously uh, trust people very easily and feel warm towards people. And some people, no matter how many times they feel or need to be reassured, they just don't feel safe within a relationship. And it's important to say it's not necessarily a reflection on the partner in the relationship. It's something within the physiological system. But again, it's never too late to change that. It's just important to say it's not something that stands outside of the person and we can always control in the environment or the people around them. It's a brain-body system thing that we need to understand. Yeah, that's a huge insight, I think. So, so sorry, Marie, can I maybe just elaborate there to say in contrast how it would look different with a baby that is reunited with yes. mom, even if it's often a half an hour. But we say, let's make this time frame you know, um, a priority, and there should always almost be a sense of urgency to reunite this mom and baby. So in contrast, the baby who is not separate from the mom is incredibly efficient in removing cortisol from the body after a stressful experience. This body is geared towards resilience, lifelong Mariette, physical, emotional resilience. How does the baby's brain know how to do this? through a sensory scan of the environment 
Am I with mom or not? Therefore, am I safe or not? Isn't it amazing how mom is absolutely disregarded as this place of safety? And secondly, epigenetics. Epigenetics mean genes adapt in response to the environment. For a newborn baby, the mom's body is the environment. Cosette, what if things don't go according to plan and separation after birth causes a baby distress? Is there anything parents can do? Yes, Mariette, very, very important question. Thank you so much for asking it. Absolutely never underestimate the power of the human spirit, whether that's a two-week-old baby or a 36-year-old adult or 82 year old adult for that matter from a physical perspective simple practices like wearing your newborn baby on your body holding them skin to skin as often and as long as possible massaging them kissing them hugging them making eye contact and singing to them are wonderful ways to reassure them calm the nervous system and stimulate the secretion of love and connection hormones like oxytocin and dopamine. And again, yes, this is a sensitive time frame, those six hours after birth. But if you are reunited with your baby eight months after being in the NICU, you start with skin to skin. You start with massaging your baby, kissing your baby, hugging your baby, making eye contact. And yes, for some moms, this might be instinctive, for some moms, it might not feel natural or instinctive at all. Please know your system might just need a few more repetitions before your hormonal connections kick in. But it does not mean it will not work for you. It might just mean not instantly. But your system can be triggered. We just need to know what to do. I think it's very useful to know that. You've mentioned that immediately after birth, changes also happen in mum's brain. Would you like to elaborate on this? Yes. So part of the mum's brain enlarges by 5 to 10%. Now, I didn't, when Dr. Niels spoke about this, I didn't write everything down. And also there was a part of me that said, let's not get stuck in the details, you know, just <laughs> part of the brain. But I'm quite sure it's part of the mammalian part of the brain. But it is interesting that it involves the parts that enable mom to become more attuned to her baby and respond better and faster to baby's cries. So I've often said this and I've often heard a mom say, it physically makes my brain hurt when my baby cries. That's because your, your part of your brain that pre-children wasn't wired the same way, hasn't enlarged yet. So you do respond completely differently. While baby's brain is wired after six hours of skin-to-skin -skin contact with mom, mom's brain requires 18 hours of skin-to-skin -skin contact with baby to wire optimally. And according to Dr. Niels, it's just because there's a lot more connections that need to be made and mom's brain and hormonal system needs to gear up for milk production. And part of the 18 hours is towards that. So it's not strictly only bonding, but for an optimum process in totality, 18 hours is a wonderful time. So although it's less hours for baby, obviously baby will benefit from those 12 extra oh, hours yes. on mom's chest. And what about dads and bonding? Yeah, Mariette, we need to include the dads way more. They are phenomenal. And um, yeah, how lucky we are to live in a time when dads are so 
hands-on. So dad's brain responds within 30 to 16 minutes of skin-to-skin contact with the baby after birth. Dad's brain will also secrete oxytocin and dopamine to become calmer, more patient, more geared to becoming an attached hands-on father. So I'm going to kind of put my neck out with this statement, but this is typically the dad who you don't have to ask, can you look after the children? Can you help me with bathing the children? This is the dad who wants to be there, who wants to touch them, who wants to be involved. Interestingly enough, the oxytocin-dopamine connection that also happen in the dad's brain with the skin-to-skin time, and again, it's significant that it's through sensory stimulation that the hormonal connections follow. Um, it is the same connection that drug addicts experience when taking narcotics. So you can think of skin-to-skin as a healthy way mm. <laughs> for the dad to become addicted to his baby. Isn't that phenomenal? Cosette, what about babies born by cesarean section? The sooner mom and baby are reunited, Mariette, the better. So here, the onus is really on protocol and communication in consultation between the parents and the birthing team. Here, it's really about being on the same board because we want to maximize that time frame And especially if babies are separated routinely, we want to strongly question that. Not only for every individual, you know, parent embarking on the birth of their baby, but as a birth culture, specifically in South Africa, we need a major overhaul. So the sooner mom and baby are reunited, the better they benefit from this amazing window of opportunity. Some hospitals are great at introducing this in theater already. Most hospitals leave this up to the family once they are reunited in the ward. In other words, they don't pay attention to skin to skin at all. So if mom and dad know about the importance, then they're free to obviously introduce this in the ward. But we would assume they know about this. And the ideal would be that hospital staff really introduce this and encourage the parents even if a mom and dad are hesitant because that mom and dad don't know necessarily how incredibly valuable this information are for their brains so um i've i feel very strongly uh, drawn to communicating and educating better about this sadly it can be hours before mom and baby are reunited because we know how significant the time frame after birth is We really wish to see a change in hospital protocol where there's a heightened awareness of this importance of skin-to-skin contact. And Dr. Niels has coined this as zero separation. So you can think of my hands in showing brackets, zero separation of mom and baby right from the start. He calls this uh, neuronurturance. So brain nurturance. So we can give it all the fancy terms you want, but it basically means being reunited with mom where the senses can identify mom. Remember, you can reunite baby, but with three blankets between mom and baby. That's not the same as skin to skin. The brain needs the senses to register this connection. And now we know mom and baby are starting this first day of life together really, really strongly.
just a quick explanation of what I do. I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles for my own platform and for various magazines and digital platforms. My website contains a growing collection of podcast episodes and articles on emotional health, parenting, love relationships, and the life challenges we all face. Each episode or article showcases a therapist, coach, or other wellness professional, so you can get to know them and easily find an expert who will resonate with you should you need one. So far, I've interviewed 100 well-being providers from many countries. After all, online therapy and coaching means we can connect across continents. If you love getting a glimpse of the person behind the professional, click on Up Close and Personal on my website for articles on many of the experts I've featured. And if you're a wellness professional interested in being my podcast guest or being featured in an article on my platform, or perhaps in a South African magazine, take a look at services on my website and send me an email. Now... Back to my guest. I was wondering what you would advise the parents of a baby that was born prematurely. Yes, so first of all, you have to know that the World Health Organization state so the guidelines state that the babies born prematurely should be reunited with mom, alternatively the available parent or guardian, as soon as possible without any initial time in the incubator. Okay, that is very important. You have to know this. And you don't always know in advance whether your baby is going to be born prematurely. So everyone has to know this. Although this is an evidence-based recommendation, hospital protocol has not caught up everywhere. Parents should know this and not be hesitant to request it and even to insist on it. It is a right. Now, we're not typical people to talk about rights, but this is one that I feel you have to stand on very, very strongly. Have you got any tips for parents when they take baby home? How can they support bonding? I think that goes back to one of our earlier questions, Mariette, of key baby skin to skin, wear baby on your body, even if you're cooking or doing laundry, wear that baby on your body where they can smell you. Very important. Massage is a very, very helpful tool, especially if you feel quite unhandy with your baby. It's a wonderful way to build confidence. We have lovely success stories with families who adopted babies who felt massage was a, was a great intro into building that relationship. And then simple things that sometimes come easy and sometimes not. Kissing, talking, hugging. But really, it's being mindful of the senses and making sure the baby has the opportunity to sense your body. That does all the work in their brain, which is the neurological system, but also on a chemical level with a hormonal system. And that's a sure way to, to ensure that they will develop well. Develop refers to gaining intelligence, gaining skill, but also hormonally, that they will have a strong immune system, that they will be emotionally in a better position to, you know, start this life, which is very difficult. 
And I think we need all the help we can get. We do. What feedback have you gained from the participants of the Newborn Brain Essentials Workshop? Yeah, lovely, lovely feedback. So we've had quite a variety of people attend. We've had expectant parents who found it very new information. I think sometimes overwhelming because um, when you're expectant, your time, there's a time limit on preparing yourself True. mentally, physically, emotionally for this time. Uh, and we've had many professionals. And uh, like I've said earlier, we don't feel like, you know, it's something that only parents should know or only professionals should know. We should all be taking hands in making certain things just the way we do it. Uh, professionals have, ha oh, incredible feedback. Social workers who said they've never heard this information and it's incredibly valuable. Uh, psychologists who said they should be part of their master's degree, this information. Um, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, Staff in the new natal intensive care unit have said they started implementing skin to skin, promoting it more. They've seen a huge difference in the mom's attachment to their babies, so much so that they've taken away the visiting hours and given the moms permanent access to their babies which I didn't even know. I didn't know there were visiting hours for moms and dads in neonatal intensive care. So that is a huge change. And if we can just get that right, I feel so encouraged and I feel that this is exactly what we wanted. We wanted people to understand the small things are the big things, lifelong. Yes. If expecting parents or other parents or service providers or grandmums or whoever... If anyone wants to attend the Newborn Brain Essentials Workshop, who offers the workshop and where can they attend? So we, um, we have 17 facilitators. So all our Newborn Brain Essential facilitators are qualified and experienced baby gym instructors. It's kind of like, um, I almost want to say an advanced training for them. And we only launched it this year. So some of them are still in the qualification phase. We have about 10 qualified and about 17 in the process, but literally in the next month who will qualify. And they all across South Africa. And then we have one in Namibia. So they can find their details on the Baby Gym website, which is www.babygym.co.za. Or they can just contact our institute on the website or via a relations manager, Lelani. Um, and if you want, I can give the contact details and she would be most willing to put them in contact with someone. I think it's also important to say the workshop style allows us to travel for a one day event. Well, not one day, it's four hours. So we would be most willing to travel if there's a group of 10 or more people interested. We can definitely arrange that. Yes, I will attach the link to your website to the podcast and then the other information, like Lelani's details, will be in the podcast notes. I'd also like to mention that you and I did a podcast on crucial questions relating to parenting, pregnancy and birth. And I'm going to include the link to this podcast in the podcast notes. Thank you very much. I think that's going to be very helpful. Now it's time for your fun question. Can I put you on the spot? <laughs> you can. Gazette, <laughs> I saw some fun photographs of your two little boys involved in a fruit-picking adventure. <laughs> and that made me wonder, if you were a fruit tree, 
which kind of fruit would grow on you? Yeah, so that, those photos were with a former friend um, who who farms with avos and um, pompelmus and nachis. And oh, she'll give me the exact names. I can't just say nachis. They're very, oh, really? you're very proud <laughs> about the types and the varieties. And But yeah, so those were very fun photos. The kids loved it. Yeah, I, I have to think about that, um, Mariette. I'm a, I love fruit, but um, <laughs> I think I'll have to go with the nectarine. I like the size. I like the juice. I like the freshness of it. I think that would be my, my pick. Okay, the nectarine. And what one can't do with a nectarine, right? <laughs> Thank you, Cosette, for, for this very insightful discussion. And I think this optimal period, this, this window of opportunity directly after birth, I really didn't know about it. And as you said, the whole intention is to help people going forward who can use this and make this happen. Yes. If they can. Yes. I think I think that is really our biggest desire is to make it something everyone knows and everyone can implement. Mm. Whether that's a home birth, a hospital birth, a cesarean section, an emergency cesarean section, when you can and as quickly as you can reunite mom and baby. And I think there's always scope for, for that. It's just when and how and uh, creating awareness of that sense of urgency. I'm very excited about this. And I'm so excited about the opportunity to share this with your listeners. Thank you, Marie. Yeah, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. I'd love you to subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website, www.marietsneeman.co.za, for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 